Good morning. Welcome to this service of worship. I have a couple of announcements for you before we begin. Um, first, we thank Linda Chapman so much. She is our guest organist today while uh, Jenny is away on vacation. And also, if you will look at the back of your bulletins, um, the women's ministry is offering a mission opportunity uh, to anyone in the church. You see that in parentheses, men are welcome. It's this Tuesday um, at the Clearinghouse from 9 to 10.30 a.m. if anyone would like to help uh, fill backpacks and work at the Clearinghouse, the address is there for you. So I want to let you know about that. Also, um, book club for this fifth Sunday coming up next week uh, will be down at the Bakery District at 5 o'clock um, next Sunday. So if you've been reading N.T. Wright's book, or if you Google the name N.T. Wright and you want to come, uh, that's at 5 o'clock next Sunday uh, down at the Bakery District. And two more announcements. There are three Bibles on the table outside the chapel. They are for our three high school seniors, um, Powell Sanders and Isabel Van and Emmeline Pendleton. Three high school seniors, they each have an individual Bible, and what we are asking from the congregation for the next three Sundays is if you would find your a favorite scripture passage. Use the highlighter, highlight your favorite or a favorite in all three, and then just write your name next to it. We want, when the seniors open this Bible, we want them to see all kinds of names and highlighted scriptures from this congregation. So after worship, if you could, if you need a week to figure out what your favorite scripture is, they'll be here next week too, all right? And then finally, I need some help with this one. Come on up here, Rose. Okay, hold up really big what you have. Really big. Really high. <laughs> there we go. All right, the uh, preschool and elementary children this week learned in Sunday school about when Jesus forgives Peter three times and then tells him to feed his sheep. And so we have paper sacks that have a list of non-perishable items. We have a goal of filling 30 sacks in the next two weeks. So if you would be willing to take a sack home, will you find Rose after worship? They have a goal of getting all 30 sacks, right? Mm -hmm. Feed my sheep. That's what we're doing in, for the next couple weeks in Sunday school. Can we thank Rose? <laughs> all right, going down. All right, with all that in mind, let's worship God.
Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. Let us pray. Lord, we come to this sacred place, this sanctuary, and we pray that all that we do and say and pray in these moments would reach all the way to heaven and would give you all glory and honor and praise. With our very lives, Lord, help us to adore you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.
Let's remain standing and offer our prayer of confession before God and before one another. Let us pray. Holy God, we are in need of your grace and forgiveness. We have sinned against you and one another. We have failed to live as spiritual people, but instead have embraced the worst aspects of our humanity. We have indulged in jealousy and quarreling. We have failed to build up the body of Christ in the world. Today we pray once more for your grace. We ask for the power of your spirit. We offer our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I offer to you again this morning the good news of Jesus Christ. For who is in a position to condemn you? It is only Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus was born for you. He ministered and taught and healed for you. He rose for you. Even now, Jesus Christ is praying for you and for me. Know that it is the power of his work in your life that forgives you of your sin this day. And he calls you to a life of peace. Let's sing to God's glory. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have two scriptures to read to you today. The first is a lovely passage from Isaiah 51. We will read verses 1 through 6. I invite you to listen for God's word to us today. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands will wait for me, and my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. And those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's be to God. Before this passage on Corinthians, uh, we're going to be in Corinthians until Pentecost. And not every sermon will reflect the greater theme of the letter, but it's important that you remember every time we read from 1 Corinthians, what we're reading about is how to be community, how to be a Christian community. That's what 1 Corinthians is about. And then also I wanted to say something about the sermon today. There's, there's two ways to say church, but they both sound the same. There's little c church, which is just us here in this room. We're little c church. Capital C church, on the other hand, is the church. It's all two billion of us around the world worshiping today. So I'm going to say church a lot in this sermon, and when I say it, I'm talking about capital C Church. But if I kept saying capital C Church the whole sermon, you would zone out. I love you, but I know you. So this is your disclaimer on that. Remember, we're talking capital C Church. All right. With those disclaimers now, let's listen to this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each, for we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so I love the church. Like, I love, love, love the church. You're like, well, of course you love the church, Phil. You're a pastor. You're supposed to love the church. We pay you good money to love the church. But I do. I really do. I love the church. But even though I've grown up in the church, and even though I'm steeped in the church, and even though I love the church, I always feel like when you say, I love the church, you always have to then add, in spite of, da, 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 da. Because even though I love the church, and even though the church has shaped me and it's formed me and I wouldn't be who I am without the church, I still have to acknowledge that when it comes to church, we just aren't very good at it sometimes. We're just not very good at being the church. What it seems to me that we like to do is we like to separate ourselves into into factions, or we can, in our modern parlance, even call them teams. We like to separate ourselves into teams. 
I'm on team this, well, I'm on team that. Even in the Corinthian church, you had team Paul and you had team Apollos. And as you listen to me talk, you may be thinking to yourself, maybe, I think it's unlikely, but you may be thinking to yourself, Phil, I've never experienced this in the church before. So I thought to myself, how can I help you understand this kind of Team Paul, Team Apollo stuff? You know, a lot of weeks I try to think of an analogy or an image or a story to help people understand my point, and sometimes it's really hard. Sadly, this week I had many, many many, many, many options from which to choose of times when the church has separated itself by Team Apollos and Team Paul. So I just plucked the first one that came into my head, and we'll talk about it for a minute. When I was coming of age in the Presbyterian church and going to be a pastor, there were a couple different controversies swirling around, and one of those controversies, if you've been around long enough, it may sound familiar to you, was the worship wars. Do you remember the worship wars? You didn't even have to be president, pres- president. You didn't even have to be Presbyterian to be participant in the worship wars. What were they about? Music. What is the appropriate form of music in a Christian worship service? So, we had team contemporary and we had team traditional. Now, What this conversation was really about was about which style of music anybody preferred as an individual. But that's not what it became about. What it became about was the church itself. The very soul of the church is at stake in this decision. Whichever way we go, contemporary or traditional, will shape who we are forever and will be our very identity. Team contemporary, Team traditional, team Paul, team Apollos. We do this over and over and over again. We sort ourselves by various preferences, ideas, theologies, practices, and we make those our identity. The Corinthian church had started to go in exactly that direction. We've got to understand just a little bit about what was going on. Paul was the one who planted the church. I want to give you some perspective here on how long ago we are talking about. Paul wrote this letter in 54 A.D., 54. So you and I are about the same distance from September 11th as the Corinthian church was from the resurrection when Paul wrote this letter. Long time ago, very close to a monumental event. So he goes to Corinth, he plants the church in Corinth, and then he leaves. And then another evangelist who was known to Paul, named Apollos, we're talking about an evangelist, not the Greek god Apollo here. So Apollos comes behind and comes into Corinth and starts teaching them things. And they're a little bit different than some of the things Paul had taught. We don't know how different, but we know they're a little different. And so what did they do? Teams. I'm team Paul. I'm team Apollos, we should do it this way. No, we should do it this way. No, we should do it this way. Immediately. The thing that worries you about this is it does make you wonder as a Christian if this is just baked into our DNA. If we are just going to do this over and over and over again forever. History seems to indicate we will. But it does worry you. 
So this letter arrives in Corinth. Paul wrote it from Ephesus. He sends it to Corinth. It arrives in Corinth. And you can imagine how joyful, how optimistic the Team Paul guys probably were when this letter arrives. They were like, yes, finally, Paul's going to weigh in, and here's what he's going to do. He's going to tell all those other people that we are right. That's what he's going to do. And they stand up, and you can imagine one of them reading through the letter. They would have read it in a worship service in front of the entire gathered congregation. We can imagine them reading it through, and we can imagine them arriving at this point. Some of you have said, I belong to Paul. Some of you have said, I belong to Apollos. Here's the moment. We're going to get them. And then Paul says, well, we're both servants. We're both servants. That's not what we were expecting. That's not what we thought he would write. No, he says, we're both servants. I plant, Apollos waters. That's what we do. Neither really one better than the other, just different in how we function. For the people that were on Team Paul, it would have been like the air coming out of a balloon. It would have been a major letdown that Paul did not assert his dominance in the congregation. What did he do instead? He used it as an opportunity to remind them who they actually are. The whole letter is about who we are as a community, as the church, and how we're supposed to function together. They keep coming back to this over and over again, and this is no different. Who are we? We are not some who belong to Paul, some who belong to Apollos. We're not some who like contemporary music and some who like traditional music. No, we belong to God. That's who we are. We belong to God. We don't belong to any theologian. We don't belong to any evangelist. We don't belong to any style of music. We don't belong to any form of architecture. We don't belong to any of those things. None of those things are our identity. Not one. We, the church, belong to God. And what does this look like? Paul calls us, this is great, a field. Oh, I'll tell you, as a preacher, you love it when you run across images this dynamic in Scripture. He calls us a field. It's not very dynamic, is it? Have you ever been called a field before? Probably not. When you've heard the church talked about before, maybe you've heard it as the body of Christ. I don't know, but you probably haven't thought of yourself as a field. And yet, and yet it, it is a fairly useful image. So we're the field, right? It's God's field. We belong to God. Paul plants, Apollos waters, but we belong to God. We're God's field, which makes God the owner of our field, which really makes him the great farmer. There's an image for you. No stained glass of that anywhere. So I want you to imagine something. Imagine yourself driving through farmland. Can you picture it? Imagine yourself driving through farmland. We've all done it before, right? As you're driving out the right side of your car, it's July, it's August, and you see the most beautiful, tended field off to your right. 
It's corn, and the corn is high, and it's green, and it's verdant. You see a bright red barn in the field. Everything looks perfectly tended. The corn is lined up in perfectly symmetrical rows. You look at that farm, and you look out at that field, and you think, man, that is a sight to see. And then, on the left-hand side, you see something different. You see a few stalks of corn that have managed to fight their way up. And then you see a lot of other plants. Some might call them weeds. In our modern parlance, maybe we'll say they're native grasses. And you look out there, and you see a dilapidated, run-down, unpainted old barn that's falling in on itself. And you look at that field, and you think to yourself, that looks awful. If you look at this field, and you look at that field, what do you think about the person that owns them? Each field testifies to the owner. Each one testifies to the diligence, the care, the tenderness, the thinking, the focus of the owner. One looks lovely, looks beautiful, looks like the place you might want to have a picnic. The other looks as though it is pulled from a horror movie. We are God's field. So, the way that we relate to each other, the way that we function within that identity doesn't just testify to us, it testifies to the guy who owns the field. It testifies to who we think the farmer of this field is. For Paul, the community is vital. The community is everything. Nobody's tried anything like this before. And for Paul, if the community looks like a rundown, weed-infested, non-yielding field, then who wants to go to that guy's farm? Who wants to worship that guy's God? No one. How we look, the ways we relate to each other, the ways we speak about ourselves are, have to be rooted in our identity, in our understanding of who we are. Is this my church? It is God's church. Is this my congregation? It is God's congregation. All of it, everything, everything you see around you belongs to God. This is all God's. So when we put ourselves on Team Paul or Team Apollos, and we use that language. Well, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong with traditional music. I belong with contemporary music. Fill in anything you want. Then we're just putting weeds into the field. We can have preferences. We can like one thing more than the other, but it's not our identity. And here's the problem. Here's the challenge, right? It's not like the church is the only place in human society that has formed divisive teams. It's not like you walk outside these doors and everybody's singing Kumbaya all week and then you come in here to argue. It's tough. It's hard. We do this naturally. That's why Paul uses the language. You're not of the Spirit. 
you're still of the flesh. As long as there's jealousy and quarreling among you, you will be of the flesh. That's why he talks in this sort of language. We do it instinctively, naturally. It's our humanity, and we love to just pull it in here. But it's not who we are. It's not who we are. The church doesn't belong to us. This place, this body, these people don't belong to us. We, as a brotherhood and sisterhood, we, as one another, belong to God. We are the field. We're what everybody's driving by and looking at to get an idea of who the farmer is. That's us. So, if we think about the church and we think about all the ways that we have parsed ourselves up over the centuries. I'm Roman Catholic. I'm Protestant. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Methodist. I'm non-denominational. I go to a Bible-believing church. That's one of my favorites, because, like, we don't believe in the Bible. Our church is missional. Our church is this. I belong to that. Every time we do that, every time we do that, we're just... We're just putting the weeds out there. We're just doing this. We're just going back to the whole Apollos and Paul thing. Roman Catholics belong to God. Protestants belong to God. Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists belong to God. Bible-believing churches, missional churches belong to God. We belong to God. That is our identity. As soon as we say we are part of the church, that's what we're saying. We belong to God. We are God's people. So, when we think about who we are, and then if we let that identity inform the way we exist as the church, then it will by definition look a certain way. And the more different this looks from that outside, the more it looks like God's field. Everything else. It's okay. It, if you like Paul, you like Paul. If you like Apollos, you like Apollos. If, if you like contemporary music, you like contemporary music. If you like traditional music, you like traditional music. If you just want drums, fine. You can just have drums. It doesn't change our identity. It doesn't change whose we are. We are God's. We belong to God. It's who we are, and that is the church. Amen. In our prayers today, in the time of silence, there will be an opportunity to pray either aloud or continue in silence for particular people and situations. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we offer our prayers to you this day, trusting that you do not leave us orphaned, but that you have sent your Holy Spirit to create and feed and sustain your church, and who even in our prayers, if we are not able to pray, 
that the Holy Spirit prays for us. We trust in that today, Lord. With that trust, we offer our prayers for places around the world that we have heard about in the news this week. Terrible situations and so much sadness, Lord. We pray for the people of Sudan. We pray for the people in our own country who are dealing with storms and what the storms have ravaged. We pray for all those who live under war or who will not have enough to eat today. Lord, we send our prayers all the way to heaven. We offer our prayers now for those people and situations closer to our lives, for those names that are on our hearts. We offer to you now, both aloud and in the silence, particular people and situations. Lord, hear our prayers. We offer to you this day as well all of the things we have been blessed with in the last week. Large, small. We ask in our prayers today that you would help us to open our eyes to the blessings we receive. Help us to live as thankful people. Lord, we give thanks now for the blessings we have received this week. Hear our prayers. We thank you for your presence among us. We thank you for your presence in each of our individual lives. And we pray that when we leave this place, we would continue to be your field in this world, in what we say, in how we say it, in what we do, and how we do it, that we would be giving glory to your work in this world. Help us to be those people, to be that field. It is in your precious name that we offer this prayer, and together we pray as we have been taught, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There is a basket at the front of the sanctuary if you would like to give after worship. There are also places at the entrances. For now, this music is an offering to the glory of God.
Let us pray. Lord, we give you all thanks and praise. We pray that you will accept the offering of our worship as acceptable to you, acceptable in your sight. And we pray that you would accept the offering of our very lives, our time, our talent, our energy, our effort, and that it would be acceptable in your sight, a living offering. It's in your name we pray, and together we say, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. Before passing the peace, I will tell you, you can meet Rose and me at the back and get your bags. May the peace of Christ be with you. Also with you. Share Christ's peace with one another. Mm -hmm.